Hello and welcome to the First Lutheran Church Sermon Podcast. We're glad you joined us this week. First Lutheran Church lives by the mission statement, called by the Spirit, we serve Christ, sharing God's love with all. And we are glad to share this good news with you this week. We're able for our gospel acclamation. Gospel according to St. Luke, the 14th chapter. Jesus speaks frankly about the costs of discipleship. Those who follow him should know from the outset that completing the course of discipleship will finally mean renouncing all other allegiances. Now large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and he turned and said to them, Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself, cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish it, all who see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to wage war against another king will not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to oppose one who comes against him with 20,000? If he cannot, then while the other is still far away, He sends a delegation and asks for the terms of peace. So, therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. This is the gospel of the Lord. Invite you to be seated. Invite the children up for a short message. And if you brought your noisy offering, you can bring that too. Hey guys. Yes. That's my noisy bit there. Yep. Go ahead and drop it in there. Thank you guys. Go ahead and have a seat. Go ahead and have a seat there on the on the steps. Okay, fellas. What is this? A cone. Okay. So Lucas, is this a, this <laughs> This isn't just any ordinary cone, right? What kind of cone is this? Uh, Where do you see this type of cone? Okay. Okay, yes, it kind of looks like a witch's hat. You're right. Traffic, okay, when do you see these? Please, okay, when do you see this in the road? Do you see these just anywhere? When do you see these in the road? 
Okay, so when you see road cones, they are meant as a warning, correct? Yes. Because something is happening. And it is meant to alert you. It's a bright color. It shows you something is happening. And, and, oh, Construction. Yes. And very good buildings, yeah. Oh yeah, it can go any place. It's just meant to alert you that something is happening, that something may be changing even. Well, yes, these are party hats, but I want to, here Lucas, you can put that on. But you know what? You know what that tells me? That something's happening, Lucas. I need to keep an eye out because something is happening. You are at work. There is something going on that you are doing. And it will hopefully improve you and those around you and how everything works around you. When there's construction work, it's very disruptive. But then once the roads are fixed or the building's made, it benefits everybody, right? Well, as Christians, we too are always at work. And really, our work never really finishes. But everything we do, we don't just do it for us. We do it for the good of the community. We do it because God calls us to do good work for each other. Okay, so I'm going to give each of you all a hat, and I want you to think about the work that you do and how we see the people at work with these, uh, this purpose, this call to, to, to uh, improve. And I want you all to think about that too as, as you grow in your faith, okay? To, to grow and to change and to improve, not just you, but the work of the church everywhere, okay? So let's say a prayer. I'm gonna give you one of these hats because you all are under construction. All of us. Okay, so let's say a prayer. So fold your hands and repeat after me. Good morning, God. Good morning, God. We love you. We love you. Help us to grow and learn. To help our community. Amen. All right, hold on. Let me get you all a hat. They do kind of look like witches' hats. People at work, the church at work. Well, I, um, I wonder why you came to church today. Or what brought you to church today? Why did you hop into your vehicle or turn on your computer to be a part of this worshiping community today. Well, this morning, when I came to church, there was a person sleeping on the parking lot. 
And I went and spoke to them. And we had a good conversation. And I asked them in the course of our discussion, what brought you to First Lutheran? What brought you to our church today? And they said, well, I'm trying to get to uh, Hutchison. And they told me about how long they'd been walking and how they'd been helped along the way to get a drive here or a ride there. But they were dropped off around uh, Fairlawn up here. And they said, there's a lot of scary people, but I knew that the church would be a safe place for me to go. Now we know that's not always the case, and not every place is welcoming. But thanks be to God, she came to our church and received that, and expected that, because that's what the church is meant to be. That is our purpose here, to love and care for our community, to love and serve God in countless ways. So what brought you here today? What kind of church or faith or faith community are you called to be a part of? Well, in our gospel reading today is one of the many hard sayings of Jesus, where we hear confusing words that sound like Jesus commanding us to hate. That is the opposite of what we understand God to be about. We hear Jesus say, hate your family, even your life. Carry a cross, a cross at that time which they believed to be something for sinners. Carry your cross, Jesus says, hate your family and yourself. Deny yourself and surrender everything. This is confusing language from Jesus, the light of the world, the prince of peace, to hate your neighbor, to align yourself with sinners. Well, uh, an important thing for us to recognize when reading this text is the way the people in the Jewish culture use the word hate. We hear other times in the scriptures when uh, Jesus says, you must, uh, you must hate this so that you may have life. And it's confusing to us who, in my household, hate is a bad word. Right, boys? Hate is a very bad word. You are not to hate even people that are very bad. We are still called to love them. So what does it mean when Jesus says we are to hate? Jesus in this text is not, uh, is reminding us of the consequences um, and the contradictions we sometimes have whenever we love something else more than we love God. And so in the Jewish culture when uh, they say you are to love this and you are to hate that, it's meant more than um, black and white, but it's a, it's, a, it's a lesson on us to understand our priority. And that is an incredibly applicable lesson for us in our world when we have our life and all the little pieces 
and aspects of our time and our, and our family even that take away from our focus sometimes on God. This is a hard saying from Jesus. So what does this mean for us as a church when we are in the midst of uh, a vision, a season of visioning, when we are in the midst of exploring who we are, what is our purpose, and why we are a church gathered together to love, serve God, and our neighbor? Well, one of, the, one of the pitfalls that we will need to be aware of when engaging in these conversations of visioning is that difficult word, success. Uh, what does it mean for a church to be successful? What are the tests or the results that are needed to declare a church to be successful? Is it worship attendance or the number of people that go into ministry from the church? Is it our annual budget or our number of staff? Is it advertisements or the quality of our online worship? What does it look like for a church to be successful? Well, I'll say that it's a word that we cannot define or declare as a congregation. Because success is not a word that the church is out to get. Uh, in in uh, the first letter that Paul writes to the Corinthians, from that beloved verse, uh, chapter 13, we hear the verse that says, If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and have all knowledge and have all faith and seem pretty successful, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions, if I hand over my body, if I deny myself so that I may boast, if I am surrendering everything but do not have love, I gain nothing. We as a church, we can do, we can donate, we can show up, but if we do not do it out of love, if our vision and understanding and purpose is not aligned with God, as Paul says, we are nothing. The past many years have been jarring to say the least, and COVID has forced the people, um, all people, to take a deep look into their lives and to ask hard questions about what is important, where your heart is, and why you do the things you do. And it has forced the church to ask those same questions. This is an incredibly difficult thing for us all to do, this reflection, um, because of what it might reveal, good or bad. But it is an incredibly important thing that we as a church do that. Because as Christ-centered people, we know that we're not of this world, but we are in it. We are embracing and engaging and encountering people, our neighbors, ourselves, that need something. And God has called us to be there for each other. Um, I wonder how many of you all know who Samuel Pierpont Langley is. 
Nobody knows who Samuel Langley is. Well, in the early 20th century, everyone was trying to succeed in the pursuit of powered man flight. And Samuel Langley had what we would all assume to be the recipe for success. He had money, qualified people, and a good market. Langley was given $50,000 by the War Department to figure out a flying machine, and translated that's almost $2 million in today's world. So money was no problem for him. Langley held a seat at Harvard and worked at the Smithsonian and was extremely well-connected. He knew all the big minds of the day, and he hired the best minds money could buy. So he had money and qualified people. And yes, the market conditions at that time were fantastic. The New York Times even followed him around everywhere, and everyone was rooting for Langley. But you don't know who he is. Well, a few hundred miles away in Dayton, Ohio, were two brothers, Orville and Wilbur Wright. They had none of the things that we would consider to be a recipe for success. They had no money. They paid for their dream with proceeds from their bicycle shop. And not a single person on the Wright brothers team had a college education. Uh, not even the brothers. Orville and Wilbur were driven by a cause, by a purpose, by a belief. They believed that if they could figure out this flying machine, it would change the course of the world. But Samuel Pierpont Langley was different. He wanted to be rich, and he wanted to be famous. He was in the pursuit of a result that some would be able to define as success. He was in the pursuit of riches. And lo and behold, look what happened. On December 17, 1903, the Wright brothers took flight. And no one was even there to experience it. And further proof that Langley was motivated by the wrong thing was that the day the Wright brothers took flight, Langley quit. He could have said something like, this is an amazing discovery, guys. Now I'm going to continue the work and continue to try and improve. But he didn't. He wasn't first, he didn't get rich, he didn't get famous, and so he quit. Because he was focused on building himself up. Not the community, and not the world. The Wright brothers had a vision for something far bigger than themselves, and the people wanted to be a part of it. Our congregation has been a worshiping community for more than 150 years. And we can only imagine how far the church has come, how far this church has come, how many bold decisions have been made, how many mistakes have been made, and how the people of God continue over and over again to return to this place, to return to our mission here, God's mission here, to follow Christ as daring disciples to love God, to seek God above all other things, with our heart, not with, some, not with some earthly understanding of success. So our congregation 
will soon be completing these vision surveys. And I really hope that each of you all consider God's work in your life, your hope for the church, but even more so, God's love that compels us to do this work. Because without that, we're nothing. Without this, this is just a bunch of bricks. This isn't. This is a divine, holy work that God has called us to. Not just here in this place, and not in the parking lot, not just at doorstep, not just in your households, but in this world. So God, be with our congregation. Bless us as we, as a whole, can paint a picture and a better understanding of where God is calling us to now in an ever-changing world. So let us pray. Gracious and loving God, you call us to be daring disciples, to give of our whole selves, to seek and prioritize you in our work and in our life. Help us to look to you, to look only to you for wisdom and guidance. In your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We pray that these words and message inspired you in your faith journey as you grow with God. We would love to see you at worship, either online via Facebook Live or in person at 1234 Southwest Fairlawn Road at 5 p.m. on Saturday or 10 a.m. on Sundays. God loves you, and so do we.